Welcome to The Sipe Show. Sipe, Saskatchewan Young Professionals and Entrepreneurs, is exactly who we'll feature as we aim to connect, engage, and inspire our listeners. Here's your host, Sipe board member, owner of Sick Picks Productions, and proud Saskatchewan ambassador, Chris Sikorsky. I'm very pleased to announce our very first guest, Stephanie Yaw. Steph is a local celebrity and a leader in the Saskatoon business community. In 2018, she was named a Saskatchewan Future 40 winner for contributing roles across several community-driven ventures. Steph was also the director of the W. Brett Wilson Center for Entrepreneurial Excellence for six years and is currently a lecturer at the University of Saskatchewan's Edwards School of Business with a strong focus on entrepreneurship and innovation and teaching design thinking principles. Stephanie sits on several boards, but is also a SIPE alumni. I'm so excited to introduce my new friend, Stephanie Young. Welcome to the show, Stephanie, our first guest. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for the invite. A SIPE alumni. Mm -hmm. I bet you have all the juicy stories. (laughs) Yeah. Juicy stories. Do any come to mind? Yeah. Lots come to mind. Um... I mean, they involve a substantial amount of alcohol, (laughs) but I mean, that's just like what would settle people down and like, you know, get the bonding experience. But there were some pretty epic, epic Sipe nights, lots of epic Sipe nights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I I have one of my most embarrassing moments in life. Stemming as an aftermath of a Sipe night, which I'll get to later on. <laughs> Is that uh, a story for another another show or, or maybe no. a few more drinks kind of thing? No, honestly, I don't mind talking about it. I, <laughs> I actually laugh at myself all the time. And then, like, and it was so long ago that now when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Too funny. So it's just funny to me. Well, I think we've all been there. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to connecting and, and networking and, and getting together, uh, I mean, we come together through food and drink and music. And so, I mean, I think it's uh, only right to, to have a, a drink or two and have some fun yeah, uh, for with, sure. your, with your newfound <laughs> friends. So, um, yeah, let's uh, maybe for those who are unaware, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and, and maybe what's what's brought you here? Oh, like my entire life journey <laughs> or my work journey? Maybe your, your professional, <clears throat> professional working journey. journey through the Saskatoon business sure. community. So I think that for me, everything started after I finished my MBA. So I did both my undergrad and my MBA at UVS, but they were very far apart. And in between my undergrad and my MBA, I traveled around the world for seven years. Just because Amazing. you can. And I was only going for a year. I told my mom, I'll just be gone a year. Then all of a sudden one turned to two, two turned to three, three turned to four. And then all of a sudden you're like sitting in Galway, selling clothes, pulling pints, kind of crying, walking down the streets going like, what? I need to do something with my life. How did we get here? Yes, right? exactly. Like one of those moments. And um, so then I came home and did my MBA. Well, I worked for a little bit and then I did my MBA. And then I would say that my Saskatoon career started like from that point, that decision to make to do the MBA. And then everything else was a trickle effect because of it. Right. Best decision I ever made one of the best decisions I ever made was to invest in myself in education and get the MBA. And then I feel like all of my accomplishments, all of my connections <clears throat> really spiraled from that. Those years abroad, um, even though you got to the point of, you know, how did we get here and what am I doing and where's my direction and all of those things that maybe we think about when we're traveling and the bank accounts dwindling, all yeah. those things, um, those must uh, those must be considered formative years. Oh, absolutely. And, and lessons learned. And, you know, maybe those times have made you who you are today. It's 100% true. I feel so lucky, even though I was pressured to, like, there was just no other choice but to go to university right after high school. And then you do your undergrad, and then you leave, and then you're kind of like, well, what do I do now? I've got this political science degree, which, P.S., no one told me wouldn't get me a job. Um, <clears throat> so... You know, there was that. And then um, and then I went and taught English in Korea, because what else do you do with a political science degree? And I actually find the political science degree to be, or actually found the traveling overseas was just as valuable as the undergrad degree, mm-hmm. was just as valuable as the MBA degree. Mm-hmm. So 
Absolutely, it does. It helps you adjust to new cultures, new people. It gives you a sense of independence, uh, confidence. It really opens and broadens your mind to things. And I think it's, I was never a rule follower. And then traveling overseas really allowed me to be a rule breaker, especially since there was no social media or smartphone cameras. So like all this stuff is like in my head or on like a digital camera or one of those like disposable cameras, you know? And I remember I have a bag of film from those years of travel. Has it been developed? I think some and others, I'm just like, eh, (laughs) I just don't think you want to go there. Maybe you just need to like keep it in your head. So real, like it's so, so amazing. And so I was so lucky that I got that experience to travel and teach. I learned how to be a graphic designer, so I did some work with some foreign magazines, and I edited some English magazines. I taught English. Um, I got to live in Korea. I got to live in Taiwan. I got to live in Australia and Ireland, and then traveled into every country I could in between those countries. So super lucky to have been that ballsy to do it. And then to come back to Saskatoon, which is home. You know, I was at, like, when I was talking about, you know, having this moment, like, what am I doing with my life as I was walking down the streets of Galway, Ireland? You think of somewhere safe. You think of somewhere that will accept you, somewhere that feels comforting and warm. And then that was, like, immediately Saskatoon, which was so different when I first came back, you know, like, 13 years ago. 14, actually, I think, I, I think it's more than that. Well, what, let's just say what, 13. Let's what, just say when really. Are we again? Yeah. <laughs> let's just say a magic number of 13 years ago. It's so drastically different from how it was when I first came home from living overseas, which has also been quite amazing to watch. As my own professional career has developed, this city has grown, the opportunities, the creativity, the humility is still there, but the Mm. talent and is the talent is really emerging Mm. and people are really, really noticing Saskatoon as a city to watch for. So where, in your opinion, is that shining brightest? Is it our culinary scene? Is it Second Avenue? Is there a downtown core? Is it our tech sector? It feels like we're really making moves across the board. I think that all of those are where I would say an And part of it's just because of the space I work in. Tech sector, for sure. Entrepreneurial scene, for sure. Creativity, culinary. I think it's all really emerging. And people are coming to Saskatoon and sort of saying, like, why didn't we stop here before? You know, why didn't we notice that this was in our back door? Everyone thinks of us as winter and cold. (laughs) And it is. But to have this kind of talent really emerge and to have that spotlight shined on Saskatoon is quite amazing to watch. We're more than hoodies and gophers. We are. Uh, we're out, we're a progressive right. city. We're a, you know, we're a diverse city. We, you know, we have a lot of really progressive initiatives and movements that are going on that we need to feel proud of. And, um, you know, a lot of pride in how we initiate and how we're, you know, recognizing what we do and who we come from, who we are, where we come from. So, yeah. Do you think it took stepping away from Saskatoon to then appreciate all we have to offer? And I know you've said that, you know, it's really come alive the last several years, 13 Mm -hmm. years here. Um, But do you think maybe there's a, I don't want to say culture, but a trend where maybe you just can't quite appreciate what you have without stepping outside of our provincial borders? Oh, yeah. I think like, you know what they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder, Mm. right? I mean, in in reality, sitting in Galway, Ireland, green everywhere. Actually, Galway, Ireland is beautiful, beautiful architecture, beautiful, small, small city. But like there was just something about it. I was like, these signs aren't right. There's too many. It's too much writing on the road. Why are why? What does all this writing mean? And then the amount of rain, straight rain, soft rain, side rain. I had no idea there was all this kind of rain. It's not home. There's something about sunshine and vitamin yeah. D. Yeah, and, and space. I ooh. remember when I first came back from Asia, my first time I visited back in Saskatoon. Someone said, "You get reverse culture shock." I was like, "That's that's stupid. I won't get reverse culture shock." But I came home and I remember driving back from Regina and we were like, there was a storm coming behind us. This was my partner at the time. Um, And I was like, I was terrified of the open sky. I'm like, where are the buildings to break up all this nature stuff? Where's concrete? So 
it's really daunting. But then, yeah, like I said, again, you just, when you're away and you go away, you come back and you're like, there's so many things that I appreciate about this place. I was blind, but now I see. Mm-hmm. So with that said, um, you've kind of touched on it, but why maybe are you so passionate about Saskatoon, our business community, and ultimately mentoring and teaching uh, that next generation? You know, it's funny because you don't ever think of yourself as that older generation, except lately I have <clears throat> really noticed, you know, there is a younger generation. Um, I just think of all the opportunities and the open doors and how people were so open to helping me. And I feel like it's part of your responsibility mm-hmm. as you grow and become more and more successful in your career to do the same to the younger generation, to have like that same sort of opportunity, to have that same sort of support. And also some of the things, and to learn some lessons, there's some things I wish people told me about. You know, mm-hmm. everyone should, I feel like sometimes people really sugarcoat stuff. I'm not a sugarcoater at all. I definitely tell it like how it is. So um, to have some of that, to have to go back to doing that for people, for young, for the younger generation, for people who are looking for those same opportunities and open doors. And also, you never know who's going to be who and what's going to be what. Mm. Um, and and it's so cool to see people grow and succeed and to also do the same for yourself and like we're supposed it's you're not going to get ahead unless you help each other out Mm. and I think it's just really neat to watch where people came from to where they're going to where they are now and to you know bring in the next wave of people to also provide them the same opportunity and I think that's why I feel so strongly about that it's our job you know it's our responsibility to do that I feel that for sure. There's definitely been a shift over the years where, you know, I was asking all the questions. I had a series of incredible mentors and, and, you know, it seems like more and more there's an opportunity to, to change roles as, as you grow and, and go throughout your, your business journey. Um, okay. So you have your hands in all sorts of projects. Uh, you're, you're incredibly busy and you're, you're just, you're so involved, which I love. Um, which project are you most excited about currently? Um, probably anything that has to do with citizen engagement and city building. So both of my projects with um, City of Saskatoon out of the mayor's office. And <clears throat> there's one that's particularly close to really hits home for me. And that was when we took, it's called Connect YXE. And a few years ago, Infrastructure Canada put out a competition to all the communities across Canada to pick a complex issue and solve it with data and technology. And to me, that's just like, yes. (laughs) You want me to take something really, really complicated and only apply data and technology to it. Amazing. Perfect. I love it. So that sounds like my nightmare. Yeah. It's like my dream. It's, (laughs) it's, it's so, it was so complex. It was so hard. There were so many lessons learned along the way. So I'm a design thinking specialist. So we focus on human-centered behavior and patterns of behavior and what sorts of patterns that are showing us some insights into better outcomes, better solutions that, you know, empower people's lives. And so that was a big reason why they hired me for that job to lead the Smart Cities Project, Connect to YXE. And the only direction we had from city council was to focus on community safety and well-being. That's it. So it's like picking a complex issue with community safety and well-being. And we're like, quite a large umbrella. Yes. So through a lot of different engagements with eight different engagement groups and lots of people attending, like citizens, business leaders, professors, researchers, artists, they all came to the session to contribute. And then our mission statement was to decrease the Indigenous youth incarceration rate through purpose, security, belonging, and identity. I think I said those in the wrong order, but I also think I wrote that. Sentiment's the same. So I'm like, whatever. (laughs) It might be the wrong order. But anyway, that was what it was. And then our job was to figure out the data and technology solution that helped to disrupt that cycle of child criminal. That's kind of where we wanted to be which is super, super complex. And then we quickly realized with Smart Cities 
and smart city technology that it traditionally focuses on infrastructure, mm. buildings, heating, energy, waste, water, super easy. Like I remember thinking, I remember like at one point as we're sifting through all the engagement, all the data that we're collecting, I was like, why don't we just do those damn potholes? It's like, <laughs> like <laughs> we just figured out a better measurement system because there's like two complaints. One was safety and the other one was potholes. So like, I was like, why don't we do potholes? It would have been so much easier. Yeah. And we kind of laughed about it. But COVID really highlighted how essential it was to build some sort of database system or a, a way to access essential resources for the vulnerable sector. Mm. And, you know, you're talking to people, and we had this Indigenous Youth Advisory Group lead us. And they're really, they were really like, the heroes in this because there were those with lived experience who told us, you know, some scenarios that you can't even imagine. Like I remember doing use cases with them, user or journey maps. And like, there's things that I can't even fathom, you know, like I would be like, okay, let's start your day, wake up and go to school. And then there'd be all these other factors. Like who's going to wake you up? Mm. Are your parents sober? Mm. Did they have a party last night? You know, all like. What are you having for breakfast? What are you having for breakfast? Do you have Can you make it to school? What's your transportation like? Did you shower? Did you brush your teeth? Like all those small Some things. And elements so, that are taken for granted yeah. by a lot of us. And it was so enlightening and complicated and difficult. And there were so many lessons learned in it. And it made you so much more empathetic, um, made us switch our thinking a lot of times along the way. Uh, I'm a huge advocate that uh, basic connectivity should be a, an essential, a, a human essential. It levels the playing field. Mm -hmm. The minute you, everyone has access to the internet, it doesn't have to be, you know, you're streaming a movie on Netflix. Basic access to city services and other sorts of community-based services is essential. And that's by the internet. Why isn't the internet free for everyone? Mm. You know, I know and I, I know that's a really loaded question because it's so complicated why it's not. But there needs to be some sort of model that we provide basic connectivity to all humans to mm. level the playing field, to give them a chance at being able to make some better decisions mm. along the way. If you don't even have access to the resources, how do you know? Anyway, I'm getting really <laughs> far from the topic. Clearly it's something that's very important to me and the work continues. I asked you what you're most passionate yeah. about, so here we are. <laughs> yeah, so it's been very, it's been you know, top of mind for a long time and we're kind of getting back into it, working with a partner now um, who have built a system that makes it a lot easier because the really funny thing about data and technology is the easiest part about a smart city or a data technology solution is the data and technology. It's there. You don't have to do it. I mean, like there are far smarter people coming up with advancements in technology all the time. Mm. You don't have to write it from scratch. It exists already. The hardest part is the human side of things is making sure that there's support, there's buy-in, there's collective, you know, agreement that what you're doing is supportive and it's critical and that, you know, they're seeing you progress. They're helping you progress. And that's that's the tough part. A noble initiative, no doubt. Uh, data is key. Uh, my brother-in-law is a data analyst and we often, you know, uh, bug him. But at the end of the day, it's... Uh, yeah, I think looking at those metrics is is going to be uh, integral, I guess, moving forward with uh, a lot of these social issues. Totally. Absolutely, right? So yeah. um, that is very cool. I want to maybe turn our attention back to SIPE as we kind of jump around mm -hmm. here. But um, you you chatted a little bit about, you know, wow, incredible times and connection. And, and you know, that's, that's a big part of it, right? And um, I guess, what attracted you to the group originally? Or do you remember how you first got involved oh, yeah. or voluntold <laughs> yeah. or how did that go? No, <laughs> not really voluntold. I think I was working for a smaller company at the time and I went with a good friend of mine, Stacy Sikorsky. No way. Yeah. Uh, no relation, I don't believe. No relation because so, yeah. she has an I at the end that's of her right, name. That's right. And then she was like, we should go to the SIPE event. 
I was like, okay, whatever that is. I, I knew what it was. I had friends involved at an early stage, but I didn't really know what it was. And it was at this Sype event, and I think it was at an art gallery. I should ask Stacy. Stacy remembers everything. I hope she, I'm going to, I'll text her later and be like, <laughs> did I get this right? Anyway, then I met, um, re-met Kevin Thompson, who I went to high school with, and then his friend Jared Bodie, who were like huge advocates of Sype. Mm. Like, like really drove the organization for a number of years. Now, keeping in mind, I had lived overseas for a long time and I had no idea what happened in this like seven year period in Saskatoon. So this is when I first kind of came back and was, and just kind of being introduced to the business scene. And I remember I sat down with Kevin Thompson. I think we went for lunch, either a lunch or a beer. Both sound right. Maybe it was a lunch and a beer at the same time. Anyway, he was like, I think you should run for Sipe. I think you should come on Sipe. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, really? And I kind of thought about it. And I was like, well, you know, it'll be really fun. These group of guys are really fun. And then I heard that you had to do, there was this whole election process where you had to like make a speech that night. I had no idea. The big pitch. Yeah. Yes. The big pitch. I didn't know that there was a big pitch. (laughs) We're doing it live. Yeah. And then I found out when I got there and it was at that old... Where Aiden's is now, but it was Saleo. Saleo, like, yes. yes. Ages ago. And I loved Saleo it there. It was, food, yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, that was what it was called, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So The gallery appro- approves. Yeah. <laughs> and there was this big election night. I can't believe I remember all this. I like, can't even remember what I ate yesterday. <laughs> Must have really stuck out of my mind. And then an impression. my good friend, still my good friend today, it went before me, Aaron Rowlett. He's from Toronto and he was an investment analyst, worked with Jared and, and, and Kevin. And he was making his speech and he was kind of dry. He was in this suit, and he looked super dry. But then he started taking off his clothes. No. I was like, what is going on? And he had like a Superman costume underneath. Ooh. Yeah. And then he was like this superhero. So this, the this full like. Full on Clark Kent reveal. Yeah, pretty much. And so like. He's like stripped down to this superhero costume. And I'm like, I'm after him? Like, I don't have anything prepared. And I think it was like, for years, actually, it took a long time for somebody to be like, don't say that anymore. You're great talking in, in public. And I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm doing up here. I'm Stephanie any, Young. Yeah. I guess I'm fun and I'm nice. I, I don't have any props or gimmicks. So for me, or, I'm like, yeah. I'm definitely not taking off my clothes. There's nothing under here uh. that anyone wants to see. So. <laughs> So it was, it was, and it was like the start of the Sipe night. And then, so Aaron Rowlett and then my good friend Nathan Rhodes, who became president of Sipe eventually, mm. um, we all kind of ran at the same time and joined Sipe. And I think they were just looking for more girls to be on the board. So they're like, hey, can you run? I was like, well, sure, why not? And that's how I got started. And so how many years did you, uh, you know, were you part of the board or, yep. you know, an active member? I was part of the board. Don't even remember how many years. Maybe five, yeah. maybe six. Yeah. Okay. So you, you know, you a while. You, you saw some shit. Yeah. You, maybe yeah. seven. I don't know. <laughs> five to seven years. Maybe eight. I don't, I don't think it was eight years. I think it was five to seven years. In that time, for maybe some of our listeners that you know are unfamiliar, um, can we just talk a little bit about the power of of connecting and networking? You alluded to it earlier. You know, you'll you never truly know. Um, you know, what someone's going to become or what they're going to do, that sort of thing. Um, But the right person at the right time, I can think back to several instances where just connecting the dots, it's like, wow, if I didn't go to that one event, like I would be lost or I wouldn't have met that person or, you know, our biggest contract, I wouldn't have it or what have you, right? And so um, are there any, you know, aha moments like that or, 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 you know, specific stories that stand out or even just general takeaways about, you know, going down to a pub, uh, a local Saskatoon, you know, uh, brewery to crack a beer at at 4 p.m. on a Friday and, uh, and, and have some laughs with some new friends connecting with other professionals and entrepreneurs in, in Saskatchewan. Yeah. I think that Sipe events kind of blend and blur for me with, I was the director of the Wilson Center for Entrepreneurship at the time. That's right. So we had a lot of entrepreneurial events. So they kind of blend together. So there wasn't like, I'm trying to remember, there wasn't any aha moment or like pivotal moment for me. But I will say all the people from Sipe that I'm still friends with, like that to me, and even now, just had lunch with somebody a couple months ago and I was like, I can't believe all these years later we're still good friends. Mm. And 
There are lawyers. There are, you know, like brand strategists. There are investment analysts. And like not at entry level anymore or junior level. Like they're like senior executives now. So, and people who are like board chairs and all these other things. So Kevin Thompson, Jared Bodie, I'd mentioned them. Nathan Rhodes, um, Aaron Rowlett. Um, Aaron Rowlett had one of the best and most beautiful weddings I've ever been to in Toronto ever. Um, and what's what stood out? Pff, it was at the Four Seasons at, in Toronto, uh, and, and it was like orchestra played. Yeah, and well, like a big a band played. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you see weddings like this in magazines, and it was like, man, this is our friend getting married. That's awesome. <laughs> like, wow. Uh, so Very yeah, cool. Nathan Rhodes, Aaron Rowlett, Bo Atkins, Joe Gill. Kyle Drever, you know, Kyle Drever, of course, mm. um, Eric Fredrickson, uh, Megan Marcoux. Oh, my goodness. We had such a great crew at the time. There was like this this core, like it's just now you could call any one of those people. And like, I think Megan's back in Montreal. She was living in France and she's mm. back in Montreal. She got accepted into this really ex- exceptional program in Montreal, then decided that she was going to be fluent in French. And I'm, I'm dedicated to it. I'm going to learn it. And then she lived in France and then she came back. And I think she works at Concordia University now. But like, again, just to have these kind of friends. And Nathan and I, Nathan and I were, got on the site board at the exact same time. I think we were voted the same election. And, you know, watched him go through different kinds of jobs and kind of like, you know, decide. Actually, Nathan and I went on a trip together to San Francisco. And when we were down there, we went down to Stanford, which is where I like got introduced to design thinking. And now I'm a design thinking specialist. So like, again, all these paths. And like now Nathan is like the digital manager for brand groups and which is like an amazing job. And, you know, like. Again, like I said, seeing all these people be so pivotal in the community. Joe Gill, he's a great lawyer, but he's extremely passionate about entrepreneurs and is dedicating, you know, his interest and his specialty in helping entrepreneurs set up. And I can call him anytime for any questions. And yeah, there's just, yeah, there's just so many, so many great friendships, so many great connections that happen even just at the board level. And I think because we had such a great group of people, um, we wanted all the members to feel like they also had that group and that support too. Mm. And so... Transcending beyond the board. Yeah. And so I remember when like Jared and Kevin finished on the board and they were like really longtime members and part of like the founding of SIPE. Mm. There was a little bit of an older kind of model that they had created, which worked, but then you need to kind of change things along and so when this new wave came in, Nathan became president. Um, it really shifted, like, you know, how we were doing events. And that was really kind of cool to watch a new generation come with some new ideas about creating that support. And we had, like, you know how, like, you know, the power of three, we had, like, a phrase, which I can't really remember what it was. <laughs> I was thinking of one, but I'm pretty sure it's the Wilson Centers. But it was about connection, and it was about inspiring and it was about making sure that people felt supported and collaborative in uh, in SIPE. So. In, and in business. Yeah. Uh, amazing. So in regards to the evolution of SIPE, uh, you've seen it, you know, change and fluctuate over the years with new members mm-hmm. and new faces. Um, as a new member myself on the board, we've had a challenging go the last 18 months, the last yeah. uh, bit through the pandemic here. Um it is our challenge now to re-engage the community and get together in person um, is the hope. But in addition to that, uh, what is your hope for for SIPE and for the future of, you know, maybe the Saskatoon business community? And, you know, is there is there anything you'd like to see out of the group or successes that, you know, we should dial into? I think you can't underestimate the power of the people that you meet and the connections and how much they resonate and form long-lasting friendships. It's so key. And I think sometimes people, like, show up at events like, oh, it's just another work event, you know? Oh, they're serving free free drinks, or it's, like, you know, happy hour, $5 for a drink. Mm. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than, like, it, it is just that. It's actually that. It's, like, it's a simple formula. You just meet. You have a drink. 
you have a few laughs, you talk about things. Some of the things that I wish that Sipe did a bit more was like, and we tried to do this too. Um, you know, we had First Fridays come up and then um, the Pecha Kuches, you know, like mm. the pitch nights where mm-hmm, you would mm-hmm. go through the slides. I think that it might have been cool to have sort of like a talking circle though, you know, to talk about some of, and we wanted to have some of those. And I think that there was a lot of ideas batted around about some of the fears of the business community and some of the fears that you experience somebody who's younger and the intimidation and how do you approach it? Now that we're older, what we see with the younger generation is a lot more. And I don't mean this in a, I don't mean this in a negative way at all. Uh, but a bit like a, lo- a bit more arrogance and confidence, just stuff that we didn't have growing up or mm. we didn't have or we weren't armed with. And I think that comes with quicker access to information and mm. availability, availability of, of information. And but there's like for for me, looking at the younger generation, I see this like. Like kind of like, like you're scared and you mask it by. Wearing a crop top and dancing in front of a, you know, video for 30 seconds on TikTok and like, you know, and the like posing and but filtering your face. A and pretty weird space. Yeah, it is. Right it now. is. It is a very weird space. People are bored, you know, and this is the way that you connect with people or sh- show things. I think one of the things to do when you see someone again or when you see each other face to face is to kind of have some of those crucial conversations. And mm. maybe that's a night that you could have as a crucial conversation night. Mm. Like, how do I ask for promotion? Mm. How do I feel like, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Mm. That's a big one. I yeah. know for almost everyone. everyone. Yeah. How do you deal with a, you know, how do you deal with, how do you have crucial conversations? How do you have mm. crucial conversations with good friends, good colleagues? How do you have good crucial conversations with business partners? How do you have them with bosses? How do you have them with that irritating like coworker who mm. thinks because they're 15 years older than you, they know more than you, Fair. you know, like how do you deal with having a promotion and your entire staff is older than you, you know? And I think that some of those crucial conversations need to be had, need to be had, um, you know, like what does, and another cool one, because I'm older, what do the older generation define as hardworking and what did the younger generation define as hardworking? Because mm. I think that we're not seeing parallel, right? So with our generation, my generation, it's like you grind it out. You get down, you get your you get your hands dirty, your feet wet, and you hit the ground running. And with this generation, what we see is like, you know, selfie, 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 mm. take a picture, good times with friends. Why don't I have more vacation? I mm. want this kind of life too. And I think the marrying of those two kinds of conversations would be really important mm-hmm. to understand like what we're looking for in future leaders, but also for the younger generation to be able to say like, this is what we bring to the table. Mm. And then that might kind of settle some of that generation gap between, you know, older workforce, younger workforce. There's, yeah, there's different value brought to the table, but then there's also different love languages I find too, right? In terms of, you know, maybe how you can compensate the different generations. Um, I'll I'll put you on the spot. Do you think maybe this is a trend that if you go back even further, would your parents have said the same thing about your generation up and coming? Um, Is this just a, a trend that ultimately we'll see you know, time after time, generation after generation? I think the difference, I think the trend is there, but I think the difference is that our parents' generation told us how it was and we accepted. Mm. And then we're trying to tell this younger generation how it is and there is no acceptance. There's like, (laughs) well, I see what you're saying, but then I actually like Googled and Wikipedia'd and then like, you know, was on my online chat and talked to this person, this person, and this is how they, you know, like the access to information. The ability for quicker outreach um, changes the dynamics. And I think that that conversation has to be had. In an incredible way. I mean, we're moving faster than ever, right, in in regards to change in technology. Um, In regards to being so incredibly involved and busy, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, that work-life dynamic and maybe balance that everyone's looking for. Um, What? (laughs) Where is that? What's that, right? So maybe harmony is a better better word for it. But um, 
why do you think maybe that's that's something uh, that everyone should be taking seriously? Um, throughout my research, I was able to uh, uh, discover that uh, you're a freedom fitness uh, goer and you've done over a thousand classes. Is this <laughs> true? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I thought it was a typo. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I think I've done 25. So <laughs> congrats. So Thanks. <laughs> it's like Olympian status. Yeah, I've only looked like an Olympian. <laughs> Some of them really fit people if we don't I like, mean, that's the dream. I don't like to right? like brag about how many classes because I want to look like her. But anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> so clearly fitness has been a priority. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, why, why have you made it a priority? It's 100% nothing to do with image or losing a weight or whatever. I mean, you want to feel healthy. It's 100% to do with mental health decompression. Mm. For me, that is the number one way for me to like be sane, come mm. back to reality, quit freaking out. I can remember a like a distinct example. And it was my last pitch party I was hosting as the director of the center. And the this more is the Brett Wilson yeah, the Brett pitch Wilson. party, the yeah. famous pitch yes, party. So right. I, I didn't go through Edwards or the U of S, but right. I am familiar. Yes. Yeah, so we had attendees between 800 to 1,000. Mm-hmm. And then Brett Wilson, our donor, would come in, a little bit of a diva, um, and had a lot of things to like, you know, he had to have everything perfect. Like usually pitch party was about... You basically start planning the day after it ends. Then you kind of do some pre-planning about seven months out. And then it's pretty much full time for the last two months leading up to the event. Um, So it's very intense. And the morning of, you know, we had this plan that we were going to like wake up late, do your thing in the morning, show up at Prairie Land, check things out, see how things are going, order lunch, go home. Or I think we maybe maybe went home and changed come back early, take a look around, do a walk around, figure out what we need to do, make sure all the logistics are in order. Then like half an hour, 45 minutes before we opened doors, we'd have a quiet glass of wine, just one, to kind of calm the nerves and just say like congratulations on doing this, just the staff and our event planners. And it was really nice. And then we would open the doors and it would be like, okay, game time. So that was a plan. And the morning of, I'm walking into Freedom to work out, 9.30 workout. And Brett calls me and he's like, there's something that went wrong with like a name change on one of our, on our office door. Totally nothing to do with pitch party. And he was mad. Yeah. And he's like, why is this not changed yet? Why didn't you get this done? I do not like this name. And I had a call from a colleague and said, it still says this. Why is this not changed? Well, I freaked out. I called my program coordinator. I'm like, oh my God. Brett's for like freaking out at me. We didn't change this door, blah, blah, blah. And then I was trying to like, I'm like, okay, I'll put the blame on this person. Okay, I'll put the blame on this person. I like text him like, hey, do you mind if I put the blame on you? And then I walked in. I was like, oh, I'm not going to work out. I can't work out. I'm just like, oh, I'm so stressed out. I don't know what to do this day. And but then I was exactly, like, I'm exactly here. Exactly what you needed. Already. Maybe, right? yeah. So I worked out for the hour and then I calmed down. Right. And I walked out at 1030. I was like, first of all, it's your fault. You didn't finish it. So own up to your mistakes. Mm called my friend that I asked to take the blame said I'm really sorry I asked you that that's not your fault that's mine can you see that it gets fixed we won't worry about it today but it's 100% mine and then I sat down and I texted Brett back and I said I'm sorry that's my fault I didn't get it done uh put it in the request it won't get done today but know that'll get done in the future see you later tonight just like that and I was like man that one hour of like physical release was just all I needed to calm down and think like a rational person I'm sure there's dozens of examples like yeah. that. Yeah, and that's what you, that's why I do it because I it's it's just a hundred percent mental health break for me. Um, and my dad unfortunately lost his mobility, gained a lot of it back, but I watched him go through a complication with his heart surgery about three and a half years ago, and then have watched him since relearn to walk, relearn to get up, mm-hmm. relearn to walk up and down stairs, to go to the bathroom, to get mm-hmm. in and out of bed. I mean, the man like he was like. In a total lift, you know, in a sling carried and he would have to stand up by one of those like stand up beds and the physiotherapist. Mm. Now my dad, my mom and dad live in a bi-level house. He walks up and down the stairs by himself. He puts himself to sleep. He does, he has about 80% of his mobility back. He'll never be the same. His brain's a little fuzzy, but I mean, that just teaches me alone how important mobility and good health Mm. is, you know? So those are what motivates me. That's why fitness is so important to me. 
it's interesting when, you know, a person, or this is at least how I see it, or, or what happens to my partner and I, my wife and I, crazy. Uh, just recently, I've maybe never said that out loud yet. So Ooh, that's Congratulations. <laughs> uh, so that still kind of sounds weird. But my wife and I, uh, I mean, when we're busiest, that's one thing that maybe gets pushed to the wayside. Yeah when it's most crucial, um, some fitness and some wellness, right? So, oh man. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about, um, some of your other ventures here. So, um, celebrity takeout challenge. I thought that was a a kind of a neat one because I, you know, I quite enjoy, uh, Saskatoon cuisine and I got to come clean here. Uh, I put my support behind Depeche. Yeah, I know. He hustled. <laughs> he, he did. He hustle. reached out. He did and I hustle. was like, oh, I can't say no. Okay, sounds good. And he was uh, with uh, Delish. Yeah. And that yeah. was really great. Yeah. And so. And Depeche but, is a great guy. And, he's and a so great is his guy. wife, he's Ashley. He's a great yeah. guy, right? So uh, we had no you know, problems uh, supporting him. But as I scrolled through the list, uh, you know, we knew most of the team. So it was almost, you know, tricky to support, you know, just one. But. Uh, you were paired with Michael Linklater, yeah, yeah. and you know, in a COVID world, was there much interaction, or did you work as a team? And and how was that? A little bit. I mean, Michael Michael Linklater is a one of the just one of the best humans ever. Um, he's just like always has a smile. He's so active. He's so involved. He just cares so much, and he's just really cool. Great energy. Great just father. Got back from the Olympics. Yes, just got back from the Olympics. So Michael is busy and he's he's on the board of Saskatoon Public School Foundation and I'm the right chair on. of the board. Yes. So we had talked, we had like laughed about doing, about kind of teaming up and we're, we're close to Zeba Ahmed and Wayne Brownlee. Zeba is the executive director of the foundation and Wayne Brownlee is the former CFO of Nutrien. I mean, we talked a really big game, but I think at the end of the day, Michael, Michael, you know, he's running for, you know, running for office and has obviously a million other obligations. It kind of ran away on us. We tried our best to tag each other. Uh, actually, it was Bo Atkins, former SIPE member, mm-hmm. who asked me to, you know, be a part of this. And he's who I went for lunch with at Montana's. Um, so that was really, it was really nice to be asked to do something and to help out and help raise some money for, you know, local charities and to support businesses. And yeah, it was, it was fun. It seems on brand. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, okay. And, uh, maybe, maybe lastly, as, as, as we, you know, uh, poke and pry a little bit more here, but, uh, Seed for Dreams, I feel is, is a oh, yeah. really cool one. And I had no idea, uh, up until, uh, several hours ago, as I was completing my research that you were part of the founding group yeah. that yeah. launched Seed for Gr- Dreams. So, uh, maybe for those that are unaware, can you explain a little bit, uh, about Seed for Dreams and, and why that's important to you as well? So Seed for Dreams was... A group of seven women actually came out from the Wilson Center pitch party. <laughs> I remember Andrea Hansen, Hansen um, yes. Marie Sebastianic, Laurel Reich came up to me at the end of the night. I was like, I am seeing stars. I don't know what you're asking me. I don't know what you're saying to me. You're asking me to be a part of a group to do something cool. And the answer is yes. So please talk to me about this tomorrow or maybe the day after i think i might take tomorrow off as you should and from there while they were listening to these pitches these women like realized that they wanted to have an avenue where we could give away money with no strings attached no banks not a lot of like papers or documentation just as easy as you can to support female-led businesses Mm. and they didn't have to be predominantly female they had to have like 51 percent either female-led or female-owned because we just felt like female entrepreneurs weren't getting the same kind of opportunities or they needed just that extra push to feel like I can be the CEO of a business. And it was so much fun. It was like all women who had either been entrepreneurs themselves or entrepreneur um, service providers who had a lot of experience. And I'm always like the person in the group who, who does that extra bit of work. I don't mind. It's just who I am. It's just my personality. But in this group of women, I always felt like I was slacking because mm. they're so hardworking. They were so dedicated Ooh, to this. You met your match. That they were like, like, you'd be like, what can I do, you guys? Can I help out? Can I do something? And we have these events um, quarterly. A T-Bone provided the sound for her and it was lots. It was great to have them there. 
Of course he did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we would listen to these three pitches and everyone who was a member committed to $100. So however many members we had, that's how much money the winner won. So over the three and a half years that we ran, of course, COVID happened and mm-hmm. we had to kind of stop. Um, we raised over $100,000 for female entrepreneurs, which was so much fun. Very uh, cool. It was so important to me because, A, the group of founding members were all women who were very passionate passionate about serving entrepreneurs and supporting entrepreneurs. It was a group of women, you know, helping women, and that was really important to me. And then it was just fun. It was like feel good. You know, the nights were so casual. It wasn't like, you know, we had to do this big like I just told you about pitch party and planning six months in advance. Mm. We would like get together two weeks before and be like, okay, who's the door? Who's this person? Who's yeah, this yeah, person? Yeah. And it came together so easy. And they were just the easiest nights to have. While still um, tons of value. Yeah. And the, you know, the connectivity and, and yeah. the vibe and the energy is still there. And exactly. I know a lot of the recipients were, you know, quite young in their journey. Mm-hmm. And, and that uh, $10,000 check, give or take, was you know, incredibly impactful. Yeah. And it just, and for, I mean, I remember one of our winners, Sri Sealanders, who's a good friend, um, you know, like it came at a time where she had a lot of no's given to her, you know, mm. and she was like feeling a lot of negativity and, you know, she's older in this really young entrepreneurial space. And like she said, she's like, I needed this. I needed to hear this. Yes. From people. I needed someone else besides me and my head, like telling me to keep going and that's what you guys did. And we heard that from people who not only won, but also didn't win. Mm. And that it was such a great night to have. So, yeah, it was awesome. Last couple here for you. We'll kick it into rapid fire round. Okay. Uh, as we as we wrap up here. Um, I'll drink some more of my nine-mile golden ticket. We got the local stuff here tonight. Yeah. The pile of bones, white IPA. Not typically an IPA guy, but if it's you know, not so bitter, I can kind of get behind it. So this one's quite tasty. This one is also quite delicious. But Nine Mile always does. I love the new cans too. Anyway, okay. We, we had the ticket at uh, at our wedding, of course, uh, to, you know, support ah, the, support the like local. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Support the local thing. It it, it beats Bud Light, right? I yeah. mean, I think you, you, you got it. And our guests uh, surely appreciated that. So um, I just have a few more here for you. Uh, we talked about food a, a fair bit mm-hmm. here. Favorite restaurant in Saskatoon? Asian Hut. Ooh. Yeah, Asian Hut. Nice. Or Odd Couple. Odd Couple. Or Asian. I, I obviously love Asian food. Odd Couple's <laughs> a fan favorite. Yeah, it is a fan. And I just love Andy. And um, yeah, so Asian Hut, if you don't know it, I don't really know if I want to tell everyone, but it's a little hidden gem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just keep it, keep it to exceptional food and like exceptional prices. It's so good. So Asian Hut. It's Friday night. Uh, it's after a big neat, uh, big week, big work week. You got the night off. Uh, you got some popcorn. You dash a little bit of T-bone spice on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you pop in your favorite movie of all time. What's playing? Favorite movie of all time. Oh my God, I don't know. These are tough ones, hey? Yeah. Hmm. That's a really hard one. I mean, I like think about <laughs> my sisters. I'm like, Sound of Music. Mm. <laughs> but like that's it. not really, that's not my favorite movie <laughs> of all time. Oh man, and I, we've just watched Junk during COVID. So I'm like, just, I don't, I'm a huge, I love Tiger all. Tiger King on repeat yeah, or what? Yeah, hey? No, and then Too Hot to Handle. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I felt worse, but also felt okay, but also felt worse. Uh, Guilty we're pleasures. We're huge like we're Marvel fans. Ooh. So like during COVID, my partner, Steve and I watched all of the Marvel movies in chronological order. We did the same thing. <laughs> awesome. We watched, I love the Harry Potter movies. I, I, you know, I used to be all like, oh, give me that movie that like, you know, I think about and like, you know, like the Clockwork Orange movies. And now because life is complicated, heavy, that I'm like, nice to can I just watch some Harry Potter? Step away. How about Lord of the Rings? There was one Christmas where I watched, where I had all these movie marathons and I was watching Lord of the Rings. I had a Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit marathon. And then. I knew I had to cut it off because I was watching Thor Dark World and there were elves. And I was like, why aren't these elves nice? And I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. my God, 
get out. You're blending you your, your your science fiction yeah, universes there. You need to get another hobby besides Too these epic funny. movies. Oh, uh, we yeah, I mean we would never and, and that was the you know the beauty of of COVID. You had a chance to kind of slow down. I know for a lot of people they spend extra time with their kids or what have you yeah. or picked up new hobbies and and yeah, I mean, for us to watch full three-hour Endgame Marvel oh, no. movies was just not in the director's cards, cut. Right? Exactly, <laughs> right? I've actually been to Hobbiton uh, in, oh, nice. in New Zealand, <clears throat> nice. uh, and it's incredible, right? Yeah. We had the Hobbit feast; it was absolutely amazing. You think there'd be one Hobbit hole or a couple Hobbit holes? I think there's forty-seven. Hobbit holes, if I remember that correctly, 47. and you're just fully immersed. The party tree's going. You get to uh, oh sling God, a drink at the amazing. at the dragon there, and so wow. yeah, it's the coolest thing. That's so awesome. if you're ever in New Zealand, definitely make uh, make I had time. Some really for, good for friends that. from New Zealand that I met in Korea. Still good friends. I mean, mm. friends now, and they their family owned horses. And so they were in some of the riding scenes. They don't oh. know which ones because they just wore general costumes and they lent them a bunch of their horses. So we're meaning to go to New Zealand, but COVID. It's know. on the list, right? Yeah. Okay. Maybe last one here for you. If you were to have any superpower, what would it be? Fly. It's easy. <laughs> Skip traffic? Yeah. Fly. You can go anywhere. Nice. Right? I don't want, I, you, know, you know what superhero power I would want the least? The ability to read people's thoughts. I mean, oh. it's scary enough with our own thoughts, yeah. I feel, you know? <laughs> to, like, listen voices, to everyone. Yeah, no. The voices in my head, hey? Yeah. Fly. <laughs> Easy, f easily fly. That would be my superhero power. It's always a popular answer. Uh, for me, this is going to sound really lame. To read fat, Like, in, if there was a practical one, like a, like a very attainable, because obviously like, teleportation, something like that, yeah. would be the coolest thing around. But to read faster, I feel, would just be the coolest. Um, yeah. I got about 100 books on the list, and I find I just, I'm just too slow. Yeah. yeah. So audiobooks is what I lean into, and uh, it's just hard to find the time. Yeah, for sure. But I feel like if you could just crush, uh, you know, a how-to or, a, you know, MasterChef for Dummies or something like that, yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> it'd be pretty amazing. You just get a chance to upload these skills and then put them to use. Yeah, for sure. That'd be kind of cool. With respects to COVID, how do you anticipate um, Saskatoon and maybe even beyond uh, the province here um, navigating a remote slash in-person hybrid system moving forward? Is there a way we can successfully uh, navigate this and, and balance that? I definitely do not have the right formula for this. But also remember, I'm a rule breaker, not a rule follower. I am definitely not a nine to five girl. Break the rules, not for, the law. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ask for you know forgiveness rather than for permission. That's there my motto. Go. And personally for me, I know the hours that I'm most productive. I know when I'm going to work the most. I know when I'm going to be you know, like really focused, really creative, and be able to just churn out a ton of work. And it doesn't follow a schedule. For me, having this hybrid model, again, empowers the person to be able to have that choice of being able to work when they're going to be most effective. My most effective hours are 7 a.m. till about 2 p.m. I can grind at work crazy in that time. I love it when I get up early. If, and I don't do this anymore, I used to, if I could do a workout before I started working at seven, that's the ideal situation. My brain is like so focused and I will just like crush so much workout. And then I like to go back and maybe work again, slowly, like seven to 8.30, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, 7.30 to nine, just to like make sure that in the morning when I start again, I'm, I'm ready. You're prepared. So for me... This is giving the individual that empowerment to choose their hours of when they're going to be most productive. Now, I know that not everyone is that disciplined or guided. I am the product of a very, very stringent tiger mom and dad, but mostly mom. Like this is from years of like routine, as my mom says. I am a routine person. Like, actually, that's how she says it. This and has like, been she <laughs> melted in. Yes. Like. So, like, I'm really diligent in how I do it, and I know a lot of people don't dictate that. However, I also think it's a t it's a opportunity for managers to step up, get mm. to know their employees 
better and be able to boost morale. Some people are introverted. Some people like alone time. Some people don't want all those office, you know, like that office talk and like, you know, walking in somewhere and not being able to crush out the work. Birthday parties every every day, every week. Yeah, uh, do we yeah, have to have exactly. cake every or themes, day? Or right? like, every, like Friday theme days, you know, or like oh. donuts walking in. Some people don't like that. And, and so, I mean, there's pros and cons. Absolutely. If productivity isn't suffering, it's yeah. pretty hard to argue. Yeah. You know, hey, you must come back to, maybe, to the office. Maybe this will give managers a better way to gauge performance. And mm. it's based on like like productivity and workflow rather than like office hours and whether you're showing up early or late. The trickle effect to this being vacancy in office space mm-hmm. and maybe especially the downtown cores. Yeah. Is that a concern in your opinion? Yes. I'm on the like I've been on the board. I'm the vice chair for um it's called SoCo, Saskatchewan Opportunities Corporation, but Innovation Places. And obviously they rent out spaces and specialized spaces. So, you know, vacancy is at an all-time high. Yes, of course, 100% it is. But again, I think you need to work with companies and organizations to build this hybrid model so it becomes a natural thing. You can't force people back into a workplace, but you can certainly like make it very enticing. So they're like, actually, I do want to come in three days a week. I do want to be here. You know, like I think that there's a way to be able to navigate and do. I don't know the formula. I've had lots of conversations about it. No right answer. But I think that there's a way to integrate this new hybrid model. Depending on the industry, obviously, Mm -hmm. say there is a utopia society uh, where there's zero threat. There are zero cases. We've absolutely abolished uh, COVID and any threat, any future threat. Do businesses then have the right to mandate their workers back? I think it depends on your company culture. I don't think that every, there's a mass, I can't say yes or no, I can't blanket that because every organization is different. Every organization works in a different way. Every organization has different kinds of compliance and regulations and privacy and security they have to pay attention to. I think it goes back to looking at what the pillars are and then what the outcomes are for that company. And each one's going to have to evaluate themselves in different ways. If company culture and these gatherings are crucial to the success and to the innovation and the creative process, I mean, I'm a design thinker. My, like, specialty depends on connecting with humans at a very deep level. So, I mean, I here I am going like, no, you don't have to meet in it's person, fine. right? Work but in your pajamas at home. Yeah, Video yeah. Video calls exactly. are just as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think... And again, I am not the person with the formula. I think there is a really great way and great potential to be able to marry the two mm-hmm. together, to do it in a way that is going to make companies more appealing and more people are going to come work for you because you're allowing a hybrid. You're not mandating a nine to five. I don't know if that age of restrictive hours like that, again, dependent on the industry, mm-hmm. is... I I think that might kind of die away a bit because of COVID. What an incredible shift. Yeah. Unlike any other time in history. We had no choice but to be 100% remote. And people have dealt with the emotional ups and downs of being in front of a screen and missing one-on-one people and then adjusting to it and then, you know, adapting and, and, and then accepting. And then now... Where it's like, again, that reverse culture shock. Now you got to go back into the office and you got to find that parking spot and you mm. need that time. And it goes back to the whole balance thing again, like what what's going to work. And I think each company has to evaluate themselves mm. and what, they, what their expectation for employees are going to be, how you're going to set that at a leadership level and what you're going to do to balance that. That's big. I don't I mean I I don't know maybe that's a really dumb answer but that's all I got right now. I think it's so dependent on the industry and the organization. Yeah. Absolutely. Unless there's any final thoughts, uh, obviously we're, you know, we're pushing the site thing and to engage, inspire, and connect. You've done all of those things. Those were the three. <laughs> right? Oh, those are the big th- Okay, those are the three you were those talking the about three. earlier. Yeah, yes, I was thinking absolutely. connect, inspire. Oh, I don't even remember. Well, you've done plenty of inspiring tonight and, and I know it's... Uh, 
you know, for myself as well. And, and hopefully all of our listeners, um, you know, took, uh, well, I know they took something away from that and uh, we're excited to, to really kick Sipe into, into high gear. And so thanks so much for being part of the, the first ever show and, yeah. and putting up thanks. with me here tonight and, uh, and getting to know each other a little bit. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to The Sipe Show. Be sure to subscribe. For more info on Sipe, our events, and how to access professional volunteer and community opportunities in Saskatchewan, visit sype.ca. Produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.